Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. You know us, we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com, and we have got a lot of great stuff for you on ReviewingTheBrew.com. Uh, definitely go check it out. Uh, my latest piece on the 10 most important young players to the Brewers' future. Uh, Matt, uh, with one of his latest, it's time to be done with the Luke Voigt experiment. And it's uh, that's kind of where we're going. It's going to be a little spicy mm-hmm. uh, in, in this episode of the Cold Brew Pod because, you know, things have taken a little bit of a turn, uh, Matt, these past couple of weeks. They started off hot, and in the past couple of weeks, uh, they have been not. And it is frustrating, and fans are tired of it, and I'm sure the players are. Wade Miley, after the series loss against the Dodgers, said, relax. So he said, we all just need to relax. He's like, you know, we started off hot, you know, and, uh, you know, now we're going through a little bit of a downstretch. But he's, he's like, we're not having as much fun. We just need to get back to having fun. Just relax. So that's that's what it takes from our uh, Wisconsin sports leaders, right? Just reminding the fan base to relax, as yeah. we remember from now former Wisconsin athletes, uh, Aaron Rodgers from a few yes. years ago. Yes, and I mean, which makes it all the more peculiar that Wade Miley is the one to say yeah. it this time. It, you know, not Christian Yelich, not Willie Adamas, not Corbin Burns. Wade Miley, right? Is like relax. Well, he is the elder statesman, so, I mean, I guess yes. in that sense, you know, he is and wise. Look, yes, and you can tell Brewers Twitter to relax all you want. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's very true. It's, it is, that's a futile effort. Um, I mean, it's probably a little easier to be able to say that when, A, it's the beginning of the season and still a lot that could happen, and B... The rest of the division is sucking just as bad, so somehow the Brewers are still only a half game out of first because the Pirates are like one and nine in their last ten. I don't think any team has won more than four in their last ten, and I think the team that had actually won the most is the Reds. The last I saw, mm-hmm. oddly enough, so you can you can say that you can say relax when you know. A quick turnaround could make things just look all fine and dandy, but that doesn't make it any less frustrating for Brewers fans and probably the Brewers themselves a little bit. They have lost, uh, what is it, five of their last six series, I believe. Yep. Uh, the only one they series they won was against the Angels. Dodgers series looked like they might have a chance to snap out of it. Uh, they go and win that first game nine to three come back out, you know, explode for some runs, and then they go ahead and score three runs combined over the next two games of the series. Granted, one of them against Clayton Kershaw, but one of them when uh, Noah Syndergaard gets, comes out of the game early with whatever the hell was going on with his finger. Um, And so you end up getting eight innings of bullpen that you go up against and you can only muster up two runs that's that's frustrating to watch as a yeah, and then the, and gives you a little bit of thoughts to last year down the stretch when things you know started not looking so great on a semi-consistent basis. It's hard not to have flashbacks at this point. Yeah, and that was your real opportunity to to mm-hmm. snatch a series victory. I mean, you're going through the entire the entire bullpen. You're not facing Syndergaard, and the next day you get Clayton Kershaw who yeah. just carved everybody up because he's freaking Clayton Kershaw and he's left-handed and he just dominated the Brewers and looked like the Clayton Kershaw of old mm-hmm. because the Brewers can't hit lefties. It's still a problem. It's something that still is befuddling uh, to the Brewers. You know, they, they keep on going after guys, they, these free agents, they, they target guys like, this is going to be our guy to, to hit lefties. We're relying on Mike Brasso and, and we got Luke Voigt in here and, and we got – all these guys to come in and, and hit lefties, and that, that's practically their specialty. Dominic, uh, Andrew McCutcheon was supposed to be great against lefties. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And they just can't do it. I don't, I don't know what it is. It, it's weird, but but it's been going on a couple of years now where they just struggle hitting lefties. Um, and, I mean, Clayton Kershaw is obviously a, a future Hall of Famer, so it, it's a little bit understandable. 
But when when I go to the, the game against the Angels and you're facing Jose Suarez, mm. who had an ERA of about 11 coming in, he had given up seven bombs in 16 innings to start the year, and you get shut out by that dude, you got problems. Yeah, major problems there. That was that was a brutal game to go watch, by the way. That was just friggin' awful. Yeah, I can. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because someone was being all fancy uh, with his, uh, you know, schedule there. But uh, yeah. Hey, when the guy in charge of the entire country comes into town, uh, you gotta treat him out to dinner, right? So, yeah. you know, couldn't explain. By the way, Explorium Brew Pub in Third Ward. Fantastic, good burgers, good uh, good beers. Can't recommend it enough. So good to know. There's a random plug. There we go. Ran- random bar plug on the Cold Brew Podcast. That's Love right. It. It, it only makes sense, right? Of course, of course. So, speaking of uh, being unable to hit left-handed pitchers, Luke Voigt and mm-hmm. the whole situation there. He's gotten off to a really slow start. It's been bad. It's been ugly. It's been a lot of strikeouts. It hasn't been a lot of homers. I mean, you, you knew the strikeouts were going to be there with Luke Voigt. You would think there would be some home runs and, and at least some production coming every now and then from him. There really kind of hasn't been. And, you know, it, it's beginning to become a question of how much longer is he going to be on the roster? Because the Brewers, I mean, they, they went through all this trouble to clear this room for him. He had a great spring training. He hasn't been able to carry it over to the regular season. And the one thing he's really kind of there to do is to help hit lefties um, and being a power bat off the bench. And he's not supplying that. And to make matters more interesting, Keston Hira, who got booted off the roster in favor of Voigt, is crushing AAA. Now, he's done this before. We'll get into Keston Hira, but first... Luke Voigt, Matt, uh, you wrote the article on Luke Voigt, and you are ready to be done. You're like, all right, that's it. Put him on the put him on the waiver wire. That's it. It's over. I'm done. Yeah, I pretty much seen what I needed to see out of Luke Voigt, and this is coming from me, who I generally have a pretty long leash for players on my favorite teams, uh, probably to a fault. Where, you know, I'll give him a little bit of time, especially in a game like baseball where you've got 162 games. Granted, he's not playing in every single one of them because he's, you know, playing as more of a backup, a bit more of a platoon guy. But Luke Voigt, kind of like we said before, he was brought in as a guy who hopefully would be able to help the Brewers against lefties. He has very much not done that. He is currently hitting 097 against lefties and has struck out in 18 of his 31 plate appearances. That is well over half the time at this point. So he's definitely not good? doing that. His his overall numbers aren't that great. He's only get, he's got a 279 on base percentage. He's hitting 222. Um, no home runs in the regular season yet. He's got he's like two or three doubles or something like that. As a backup, you you don't need to give him that long a leash. Like if he's not working out, and he hit his five years of service time shortly after the season began, so you can't option him anymore. It's either keep him on the roster or designate him for assignment, essentially. It, it, he's a backup. Like, you can find cheap, random options to just be a platoon guy at first, or DH, if you decide that he is not working out. And even if he, let's say he does kick things back up, is he going to go on this huge tear? Is he going to just come back to be mediocre? Like, I don't know, but I just don't know at this point if it's worth investing the time in him. It would be nice to get someone in a little quicker who could potentially do some damage against left-handed hitters for the Brewers. Now, when they had gone to Keston Hira in the past, he unfortunately was not doing well against lefties either. So, I don't know that that would be, and again, we'll get more into him in a little bit in his current state. I don't know that that's necessarily the answer. Uh, I mentioned in the bottom of the article uh, that an option I'd like to see is shifting Owen Miller over and maybe bringing up Abraham Toro, who is a switch hitter, uh, up to be your new kind of utility guy. I think that's an option that could work. Toro's already on the 40-man. 
But with Luke Voigt, he's just not the, – the spring that he had was great. It was a fun story. He ended up making the roster. He should have made the roster. He earned that for sure. But I I just don't know that it's – oh, and I'm just seeing that he has the same birthday as me. Well, now I feel bad. Uh, <laughs> well, I felt bad for a few seconds. Now I don't feel bad anymore. Uh, anyway, I just – yeah, I – I've seen what I needed to see. I, I don't know. I, it seems like a lot of Brewers social media kind of has as well. They even were before I was. They, they gave him about three, four games before giving up on him. I am at least a little more than that. But, again, I feel like if, if I'm saying I'm ready to move on and I normally give guys a lot of leeway, then it, it should it should just be time to go. It's There's, there's no point. The, the Brewers don't. He is not so insanely valuable. Like, even Luke Boyd at his best was a pretty good player, but it's not like you're potentially letting go of a, you know, potential all-star or something like that. Like, cut your losses, try something else, try and solve this whole left-handed problem. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure how much, you know, even even moving on from Boyd is is going to solve their left-handed problem. They, They got much other... They got a lot of other problem spots in their lineup with that than than just Voight not hitting up to to the levels that he's expected to be at. Uh, the Brewers signed Voight to a one-year, two million dollar contract with a club option for next year for twelve million, which is very unlikely to be exercised. So there's no buyout on that option, which is good. Uh, so there's no extra money the Brewers would have to eat there, but. Yeah, it's a very frustrating start. I don't know if I'm quite at at the point of moving on from him. You know, I'd like to you know give him a, a little bit more of a chance. I mean, he's shown some better signs. I mean, it, he did get the start the other day, and he he almost had a homer. It was to dead center, fell just a bit short. Uh, so maybe he's he's getting closer to to getting out of it. I don't know. Maybe it's just needing some more reps, some more regular playing time uh, in order to get into a rhythm, whatever it is. But at the same time, if you do cut them loose, where are you going to go really to, I mean, you you could go with Owen Miller, but but who's coming up? Mm -hmm. You know, if if you're cutting them loose, you're bringing somebody up. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Abraham Toro? Are we really more excited to see him? Uh, You know, Toro's on the 40 man. Uh, he was also part of the Colton Wong trade in the offseason. Is he really going to light up? He hasn't really done much of anything at the big league level either. He doesn't have the ceiling. Uh, he doesn't have the power potential that Voigt does if Voigt gets going. you know. So that's not really a more exciting option. You know, And then there's, there's Keston Hira. Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm still not sure what to make yet. Of Keston here. That that's that's the thing for me because we've seen this before with Keston. He's lighting it up in in AAA right now, and over the past couple of years, he struggled at the big league level. He gets sent down to AAA and he dominates. He is just incredible. He is a world beater. He is the second coming of Babe Ruth in a Nashville Sounds uniform. And that's like okay, he's figured it out. He's ready. Call him back up, and the Brewers call him back up, and he sucks again. <laughs> and he and he just continues to struggle, and I just I, I just don't think that th- this is the magic time. I, I don't think this is okay. Now now this time he's figured it out. We've done this before. It's it's the boy who cried wolf. Is this the time the wolf is actually here? I don't know, but I'm tired of of trying it and doing the same old thing and and cutting a guy like Voigt loose. Just to bring up Hira, who, uh, in all likelihood, there's a very strong chance he just ends up struggling again. And if he does, now what? Now, now you're stuck with Hira back on the 40-man. No way to option him down without DFAing him. And maybe whatever trade value he has been building up in AAA to try to get some other team to believe in him, now it's destroyed because he doesn't work out at the big league level. I, I just I just don't know if I can buy it yet with Keston. I, I think I need a little more time seeing him dominate at at AAA. Right, I'm I'm in the same boat with Hira for sure. I have no grand illusions that this stretch in AAA is all of a sudden going to be the one that's going to ignite 
some crazy stats in the majors because we've seen this movie before. Take a look. So I pulled up his minor league stats real quick and just comparing where he's at currently this year to last year. Um, he so that was he's through 30 games right now in AAA. Uh, he only ended up playing 13 games last year in AAA, so he wasn't down there very long before you know Brewers ended up bringing him back up. Um, he's hitting 315 right now down there. He hit 319 last year when he was also dominating them. Cool. Uh, he's on base percentage of 386 right now. Last season it was 458, which was nuts. Like that's just how insane he was really last year too. Um, slugging a little bit lower than last year. He walked, his walk rate last year at AAA was 15.3%. It's 9.4%. So he's not quite getting on base as much again. And his strikeout rate is the same. So last year in those 13 games, he struck out 25.4% of the time, much better than his 40 plus percent at the big league level. And this year he's striking out almost exactly the same, 25.2%. So he's doing almost the exact same things minus walking as much basically and getting on base as much in general. He's doing the exact same things. Like he's, he's striking out at, at a, a decent, like you'd take 25% out of Keston here at the big leagues. Like I would mm-hmm. at this point, you generally would for a lot of, you know, power type hitters. Um, but it's not like he's brought it down so low to be like, Oh, okay, well that'll translate to something still reasonable at the major league level. He's doing all the same things. So, why should I believe that him killing it there now means that all of a sudden he'll fix it at the major league level? There's there's nothing pointing to that. Even if he did sustain it for longer, he's already sustained it for longer than last year. He's played in about tw- in over twice as many games in AAA as last year. But what 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 sign is there? I don't see any sign that points to the fact that ooh, you know what? He might have turned a corner in how what he's doing down there would translate to the big league level. I'm not like granted, like I'm not watching his mechanics. I'm not watching, you know, I I don't have that context, but just purely based off the numbers, I have no reason to believe that he's, he'd be a huge upgrade. Let's say over Voight when he comes back up, maybe he strikes up 40% of the time again. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of looking at some of the videos from Nashville, it looks like his stance has changed a, a little bit. Um, you know, with, with this hand placement and bat placement before the swing, before the pitch, um, you know, maybe that's leading to, to part of this. But, you know, again, Hira hasn't really been a regular starter in the lineup every day since early 2021. Mm-hmm. He lost his starting job then with, with his slump, and he hasn't really been able to gain it back. Even when he goes down to, to Nashville – which is very short, which has been very short periods of time, you know, a, a week or two or, or maybe a month at most, you know, where he gets to the everyday at bat. Suddenly comes up and he's a part timer again. So he hasn't really been able to get into a full rhythm and be a regular everyday starter for quite a while. And so I want to I want to see Hira stay in that role. I mean, it's been a little over a month mm-hmm. in Nashville. Like it, it's not much longer than than he's been down there before. Right. So I want to see him like dominate like this for two months, three months, you know, four months, maybe like keep it going and and just kind of have that confidence be in that routine every single day where, you know, it can give me more belief that this is legitimate for him and he can actually sustain this at the next level. Because we like I said before, we've seen this song and dance. We've seen this happen. He goes down, dominates, comes up, is, is terrible. Like, he's too good for AAA, but he's not good enough for, for the big leagues. He's, he's the quintessential quad A player mm-hmm. at this point. And I, I'm just not convinced that, that he's anything more than that yet. And I don't know if I'm going to be in a, with him in a Brewers uniform. Maybe he can be. Maybe he can reach that ceiling. I just don't see it happening in Milwaukee, whether he's dominating a triple A or, or not, or, or whatever it is, if he's going to reach his full potential, I think he just needs a change of scenery. I think he needs to get out of the Brewers organization. No one took him when he was on waivers. No one wanted to put him on their 40 man roster. Maybe someone will, after seeing this, this dominance at triple A, 
maybe some other team will, will, will get the interest, be like, okay, we'll give you, you know, something, a, a low level arm, whatever for Hira and, you know, just get him over there. But I just have no confidence at this point that Hira is going to be able to figure it out in a Brewers uniform. He hasn't for the longest time. I feel like they've messed with him so much that he just needs to to get out and, and go somewhere else and just get a get a clean slate. Because he came up with so many expectations. Everything was put on him. He was supposed to be the dude going forward. And the the fact that I mean he's failed at it, you know, to this point in his career. He he's failed to to live up to that potential, to to that promise. So maybe he needs to go someplace else where they don't have those types of expectations for him. Right. And to your point earlier, he needs that consistent playing time to be able to get into that groove. He's not going to get that with the Brewers. We're talking about a replacement for Luke Voigt, who is a backup. He's getting sporadic playing time. You bring up Keston Hira, you're not taking Rowdy Telez out of the lineup for Keston no. Hira. I'm not even taking Jesse Winker out of the lineup for Keston Hira. I'd rather see him get going, give him the playing time, because when Jesse Winker is on, I mean, he kills it. He showed flashes of that at the beginning of the year, had the bronchitis, and now it's kind of been, you know, having these issues since. But I think you get him going, that's a much, much better situation for the Brewers. So you bring Hira up, he's just going to be in the same situation where he's not getting enough playing time and just can't get himself going. This also goes back to with the whole Luke Foyt thing. It's why I'm fine moving on and bringing in someone to just maybe play even a little bit less than Voigt was, but just be able to fill that. Maybe maybe you find a guy who's a at least a good defensive first baseman or something like that. So that he offers some utility. Luke Voigt, <laughs> when like even when he's not hitting it's not like he's providing defensive help because he's a horrible defensive first baseman on top of everything when he's not playing DH. So yeah. he just he just doesn't offer a whole lot right now. But then, you know, again, with, with Hira, that's what you'd be bringing him up to do is just to be a backup. So I agree with you. If he's ever going to get going at the major league level, it either has to be because someone on the Brewers is injured and they're bringing him up to play semi-regularly or it has to be somewhere else. So I, I think we're on the same page. Like, it's great that Hira is mashing down at AAA, but he's done that before. So it's we're not jumping to get him on the major league roster right now. Yeah, it's, you know, as frustrated as, as we can be with Luke Voigt, there are other options to, mm-hmm. to deal with that situation. Um, plus... Luis Arias is going to be coming back in a couple more weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he comes back, that is going to leave a roster squeeze in the infield. And that is where Voigt, if he doesn't get going by then, he could find himself on the out. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, if, if you're taking Voigt out, you're not calling up anyone else to, to replace him on the roster. Yeah. You're activating Luis Arias. Mm-hmm. And you still have a fairly big log jam in the infield with Urias and Brasso and Miller and Terang uh, all battling for playing time uh, for, for just a couple of spots. So that's, that is, I think, the most likely route. I think if we see a move happen with Luke Voigt, the earliest we'll see it is when Luis Arias is ready to return. He's not quite ready yet. Still got a couple more weeks uh, before he comes back. Uh, he's going to have to go on a rehab assignment, um, and then he'll – you know, come back up probably sometime early June. Um, uh, I'm guessing we'll see him. So you got a little bit, got a little bit of time, and that that'll give Voigt some time to get going. And he's going to need to do it soon because uh, it would uh, it'd be nice to to have him solidified, have him get going, and then when Arias comes back, it's like okay, like you know, now to be. Do we send down Miller? Do we send down Brasso? How, how do we deal with this situation? Because Miller has been playing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Brasso has been playing pretty well. So, you know, who do you send down out of that group? The, the only one who's been struggling is Voigt. Mm-hmm. So he's got to 
he's going to be battling for his roster spot soon. You know, it's not like, okay, if, if he doesn't do it today, he's cut tomorrow. But he's going to have to get going fairly soon because when Urias comes back, that is going to be when things will shift with this roster. I That's probably the most likely scenario. Yeah. I, I still wouldn't mind it if, if the Brewers decided to cut dies early it, and it meant that, like I said, like two weeks of Abraham Toro until Luis Arias gets back. I'd still like to see kind of how we do just in a backup role playing here and there. I don't know. Miller would get a little bit more consist, uh, regular playing time as a backup. Uh, playing, He's basically always playing against lefties as it is already, but... Uh, we would get to see more Miller time, and, you know, that's never a bad thing. Miller time's always a good no, thing. It's a great uh, time. They do not sponsor us, and I'm throwing it out there for Yet. free. Yet, exactly. We're still working on it. But I, I think you bring up probably, like you said, the more likely scenario is that it's, all right, just ride it out for a little bit more, and once your Urias comes back, it's like, all right, sorry, thanks for everything, but time to go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not looking forward to more, you know, one for four, two, three strikeout games from Voigt, I guess, going yeah. forward. I'd, I'd, I'd rather they be from Toro. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just send him back down. Yeah. 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 So we shall see, but that is where things uh, stand with the Luke Voigt, Keston Hira. Uh, situation. So the, this past week, the Dodgers were in town, and we got to talk about this, Matt. Ah. The Dodgers in town, yep. staying at the Fister Hotel, mm-hmm. all except for one. Mookie Betts said, "Hell no, I'm not staying at the haunted hotel. I'm getting an Airbnb. I am getting out of here." It was like this. Is, this place is haunted. Hell not it. I'm getting it. What are you guys doing walking in there? I'm getting out of here. I'll find an Airbnb. I'll go anywhere else but here. He is the guy who survives every horror movie because he's like, you know what? I'm not going to go into that creepy basement. I'm going to listen to the audience and be like, you know what? That's creepy. I'm going to leave and go literally anywhere else. So I get it, Mookie. But at the same time, he's like, I don't really I don't believe in ghosts. Sure, you don't, Mookie. That's the funniest part about all of it. He doesn't really believe in ghosts, but just in case. Just in case. Just in case. I don't want to be proven wrong. It, so I'm just going to, to not stay here. It sounds like you believe in ghosts, buddy. Yeah. Like, I think if you're just in casing, uh, you, you believe at least a little bit. And then I love yeah. that the Brewers. There's, there's a little the, bit of doubt. You know, right. in your mind there. For sure. I love that the Brewers ended up playing the Ghostbusters theme when he came up to bat. <laughs> that is a fantastic touch. I don't remember. I didn't uh, catch that game or the game after it, but um, yeah. Was that, was that on the organ or was that uh, just like the actual music? I heard that. That, uh, I, that I, I'm not sure. I just heard that that it was played when he came up to bat. Um, I didn't hear the actual audio of it. Um, I was going to say, Dean Roscoe, I applaud you. Yeah. Well done, sir. Uh, but there was that. And then also the uh, the Mookie Betts trivia doesn't believe in ghosts, but his actions say otherwise <laughs> was really good. Uh, the Brewers know. scoreboard team is top notch, man. Oh, they're fantastic. They the really Brewers. are. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, just a, there's the list of players who uh have been scared of those ghosts have seen ghosts whatever um really goes way back all all the way even to carlos gomez when he before he played for the brewers um talked about the ghosts at the fister yeah um who's i just saw on it was an old interview with um talking jake from the whole john boy network uh trevor ploof was talking I can't remember which which teammate he said it was, um, but I think it was one of his twins teammates. Yeah, just I mean, like we hear about this like at least once a year about someone that some player and the ghosts at the Fister. Like, I, I love yeah. it. It's one of my favorite running things. Yeah. 
And I mean, the brewers love putting them there because they know like, yeah, it's a super nice hotel, but you know, this may give you a, a rough night's sleep mm-hmm. uh, because it's haunted. So, you know, that, that could uh, change things. And of course, after Mookie Betts tells everyone this, he's like, no, nah, I'm not staying there. I'm staying at an Airbnb so I can get a good night's sleep. And then first at bat hits a home run. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it would have been nice to just have him in the team hotel. Maybe that would have changed things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, just a peaceful night's sleep in the Airbnb, full eight hours or whatever it is he gets and is able to hit a homer. Off Eric Lauer, who yeah. dominated the Dodgers for like the entirety of his career, and just he had a rough go of it against the Dodgers this time. That was that was unfortunate to see. It's like okay, yeah, we got Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer's gonna like I was all ready for the tweets, you know, to be like, oh, you know, what's what's haunting the the Dodgers more? What's haunting Mookie Betts more than the Ghost of the Fisters? Eric Lauer. Yeah, you know, I was I was all ready for it. And then Lauer mm-hmm. failed me, so I couldn't send the tweet. And so instead, the one who's haunting anyone more than the ghost of the uh. visitor is Chris goddamn Taylor. Mm-hmm. I hate him with the fire of a thousand suns. I, I I don't get every every series that they play. Every time! He has at least one play like that in the field where he does something just, like, save some crazy thing that should have gone over his head or should have been a home run or something like that. Like, I don't get how he's making this many freaking plays like that. It makes no damn sense. It's ridiculous. Everything that, it's a diving catch. It's, it's something that would, like, really turn the tides for the Brewers in this game. You know, some sort of extra base hit, always just some sort of diving miraculous thing to rob the Brewers and I'm just, I'm sick of it. I am sick and damn tired of it. And we need to ban him from Milwaukee. We need to ban him from the state somehow. Like, like put him on like a no-fly list to General Mitchell International. Like, all of it. Just make sure he doesn't come here. Or, Matt Arnold, if you're listening, for the love of God, sign Chris Taylor. Yeah. Put him on the Brewers. <laughs> Have him play out there, and he can make the remarkable catches for you. Instead right? of instead of haunting you like the ghost at the Fister, he can actually help you. Okay, like like the ghost in, in Casper. Okay, that's what you need. <laughs> you need Casper, the friendly ghost kind of haunt here. Okay, you don't need the Shining. You don't need Ghostbusters. You need a friendly ghost. Okay, so you you need Casper. The Chris Taylor friendly ghost to haunt you. That's what you need, Matt Arnold. Get him. This is what you did with Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker tormented you for years. Colton Wong tormented you for years. You decided to sign them and say, hey, why don't we get him on our side? Why don't you do that with Chris Taylor? Get him. Yeah, at, at some point, I know he's – how old is Chris Taylor? He's 30-something. I don't know. Let's see. I, I just, I'm just saying, like, at some point, the guy's going to retire, and I, I, I'm not saying I'm going to be happier when he retires than I was when Yachty did, uh, but uh-huh. I'll be pretty darn happy. He's 32. He's still got a while to go. Unfortunately, that sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, and your $60 million deal with them yeah. through 2025. Okay, well – He's not uh, not coming our way anytime soon. Nope. So I, I mean, granted, we, he we well, but he plays some infield, I suppose. I was gonna say we have enough. He's versatile. He can play anywhere. Craig yeah. Council would love him. He, yeah, that's very true. He really would. But hey, maybe you'd be coming. You'd be grabbing him as he's getting a little older, and maybe you'd be able to afford him a little better. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, we thought the same thing with uh, Justin Turner. Justin Turner Turner tormented us for years as well, mm-hmm. and especially in the uh, NLCS. And, you know, then a few years later, the Brewers are, you know, very close to signing him. Um, they end up not signing him. He ends up going back to Los Angeles once 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 they matched the Brewers' offer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then he hits free agency again, and the Brewers were rumored to be trying again for Justin Turner. He ends up signing with the Red Sox. But, you know, they tried. They tried getting yeah. their Brewers' killers. And getting That's them on true. their side. So, 
Maybe yeah. one day. One of these days. Uh, then we'll have to like Chris Taylor, and it's much like it's much easier to just hate him. You know. <laughs> That's true, but also at the same time, if the Brewers did sign him, I, I I'd flip real easy. It's not like if the Brewers were to like sign like Yair Molina or if they had actually somehow like brought in like Wilson Contreras or something like that. Like we brought I in the better the, Contreras. Let's be I, honest. Oh, we totally got the better Contreras. Like the, I, I love the way that. Do you want to talk Wilson Contreras? Let's talk Wilson Contreras and the Cardinals because the Cardinals are a oh, hot yeah, mess actually. and I absolutely fucking love it. Yep. Okay. This is, this is the greatest, no matter how much the Brewers are in a cold stretch, at least we're not the Cardinals <laughs> who are in dead last. They suck. They're awful. And they signed Wilson Contreras to a five-year deal. And within a month, they're moving him off of catcher. They're like, oh, we're going to put him at DH, maybe some outfield. Then they walked back the outfield stuff. Real and fast. it's like, he's just not cutting it defensively. He's got a lot of work he needs to do if he's going to get back behind the plate. Ali Mamal has just seemingly lost control of the situation. And it is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And and the Cardinals have seemed to have lost their touch. And, I mean, I'm not I'm knocking on wood here, okay, because you never know with them. But this is fun. Yeah. This is really fun. 100%. It takes at least a little bit of the sting off of how kind of the Brewers have been performing lately because, again, it's this, hey, <laughs> at least we're not them right now. Yeah. I, offensively, he's come in and, you know, he's for the most part done his job. He's hitting 266, uh, which is a little over his career. He's got a 735 OPS, which isn't bad. His OPS plus, he's over 100. So he's got a couple home runs to his name. So, like, offensively, y- you've got to keep him in the lineup for sure. But he's he's really that bad on defense. And granted, the Cardinals pitching has not been good. So I suppose you can link that to Contreras some. But it was bizarre because I was going back and looking at, you know, his stats with the Cubs. And particularly, like, I was looking at one stat, which was just pitching staff ERA. Because the Cardinals are bottom five, I think, in the league this year for pitching staff ERA. Or at least they were at one point. Cubs last year were bottom five. Year before that were bottom five. Prior to that, though, um, and I think that's 2020 and earlier, they were top half of the league. Now that may be because they had better pitchers still on the staff and then got younger pitchers and Contreras couldn't figure out how to adjust to calling a younger pitching staff. Now he's stepping into a totally new one, and maybe that's where the adjustment is. I don't know. But he, but he's but, got veterans there. Adam frickin' yeah. Wainwright's 41 years old. He he can call his own game if he really mm-hmm. wants to. I mean, Contreras doesn't even have to call a pitch. Right. Uh, Wainwright can call it himself. Jordan Montgomery is 30. Stephen Matz is 32. Miles Michaelis is 34. These guys are veterans. Jack Flaherty, mm-hmm. 27. He's been around a while. All these guys are, are veterans. They should know what they're doing. Yeah. So it, I don't think it's necessarily on him, but also they lost Yadier Molina, who knew mm-hmm. everyone on that team like the back of his hand, uh, and he was excellent at calling games. He was an, he was an excellent defender, and you know they go from from Molina to Contreras, and it's just you know a, a clear decline in mm-hmm. the quality, and they're just so they're they're so used to Molina that they just seemingly can't adjust. Uh, I'm guessing the pitchers are the ones that seemingly can't adjust to, to him, uh, wh- whatever it is. But either way, I love it. It puts a <laughs> smile on my face. It, it right. is it is fantastic. Absolutely. But, like, what catcher was going to come in? No catcher, and I hate saying nice things about him. Maybe it'll come easier over time after he's been retired for a bit. But what catcher was going to come in and step in for Molina? No catcher was going to be able to do that. Some might have yeah. been able to get closer than others. And Contreras um, was the best one on the market. Yeah. Um, I, they were in the Sean Murphy running, and so I've seen a lot of criticism since then about why didn't they lean harder into that as opposed to turning towards, you know, Contreras. Because they would have to give up Brendan Donovan? I, right. Like, oh, darn. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's very bizarre, and it. I, I just, it makes me wonder, like, is the issue really with, I mean, clearly there's an issue, but is it the issue more largely with Contreras or is it with their manager who already kind of had a little 
issue earlier on in the season when uh, Tyler O'Neill got benched for, you know, not hustling and kind of things like that. But it didn't there was kind of a little bit of blowback to it. Like Marmol didn't handle it as well as he should have. It didn't really you, you players get benched for not hustling all the time. Like that's fine. Every manager has a right to do that. But for whatever reason, it didn't play with the clubhouse as well as a move like that could have. And now he's yeah. got this issue going on too. It's like, what what are you doing, man? Like they're yeah. just—I don't know—that team just does, is not responding to him this year. From the outside looking in, it, it seems like Marmol has lost control of his. Feels team. like it. Yeah, you know we're, we don't cover the Cardinals on a regular basis, thankfully, right. um, <laughs> but it, that, that, that's what it seems like from the outside here. Just, just his quotes that we see come across every now and then, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just the way yeah that team is responding because they're playing terribly to start the year. I have a theory. Oh, so. What you you know, you know the common phrase "cardinal devil magic" because yeah, they right. always seem to have some sort of devil magic that just helps them get back into everything and, and win. And it, it, it's got to be the, the devil that is helping them because who else would help someone so evil? Right. Yeah. Yadier Molina retired, and now it seems like their devil magic is gone. Mm-hmm. I think the devil magic was Yadier Molina. Yadier Molina channeled the power of the devil which explains a lot about him and his <laughs> personality. And he was their devil magic. Now he is gone, so the Cardinals have lost their devil magic. Or was Yadier Molina the devil? That's essentially <laughs> what I'm saying, yes. Like the actual devil. not The actual Jack- devil, yes. Was he actually Satan? These I think so. I, this, this is a legitimate conversation. <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> I think this is a legitimate I, point. He I, may I, have been the actual I, devil. I, I hear lots of people are saying the same thing. I mean, just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. You know, there, there, there is a, there is a solid chance that yeah. Yadier Molina is actually Satan, the you Prince of Darkness. I <laughs> <laughs> hear people. Uh, and now the Cardinals are condemned to hell. Like th- this season feels like hell to the Cardinals, which is absolutely great. I mean, they are in the basement, which, you know, basically... Yeah, just gets happened. a little hot down there, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, if you can't hear the smiling through our faces, I assure you, based on what I can see on camera from both yes. of us, that they are wide. Yes, I'm sure, are I'm sure you're smiling as well, just listening to this. Just giving you the warm, fuzzy feelings inside. Uh, thinking about the Cardinals down in the basement. It is, it is wonderful. It's a great time. Couldn't happen to a better team. Exactly. Exactly. So, back to our regularly scheduled Brewers programming. So, I put out an article this week ranking the 10 most important young players to the Brewers' future. Because the Brewers, they make a big deal about remaining continually competitive. That's That was the whole point of the Josh Hader trade in order to stay competitive year after year even if it meant sacrificing the 2022 season because you traded away your closer and decimated your clubhouse uh, and didn't really get anything back for him. So, uh, you know, it's about keeping the team competitive and avoiding the lengthy rebuild. In order to do that, you need a steady pipeline of young players to come up and produce. So I looked through the organization, players 25 and under, find the 10 most important players to the future of the Brewers. If they're going to remain competitive years into the future for, for the rest of the decade or wherever, for however long they need these guys to hit, they need these guys to do well. They are crucial for this team to remain, to, to sustain competitiveness year after year after year. So I got the 10 players in there. Uh, Matt's, is there is there one that stuck out to you that you'd like to to talk about first here? I there is one. Um, I'm gonna before I get to that one, I want to just point out one observation that I think is interesting that I think I do agree with you with. I think some other people maybe would have flipped the two. Garrett Mitchell being number two on your list of most important mm-hmm. players, and Sal Freelich being number four. Mm-hmm. I. I, I 
think I tend to agree with you, especially with the way the Brewers view seem to view Garrett Mitchell. They mm-hmm. seem to really want to lean into him as their center fielder of the future, and the Brewers need to have a strong up-the-middle presence, and that includes Garrett Mitchell at center field. So I, I, I think if you have people start to look at that, like you may get like there could be a little bit of that feedback, but I'm on the same page with you right there. But one I want to point out is actually the player right in between those two, which I bet if you polled a lot of fans, they would kind of forget about this player, Aaron Ashby, at number three, as uh, your third most important player under the age of 25. Um, He, it's to forget about him because he's hasn't played it all this year. He's got his injuries going to be out um, likely for the entire year. But at some point, the Brewers are going to kind of have a transition with their starting rotation. You're something's going to happen at some point with either Corbin Burns or Woodruff or both. You've got uh, Freddie Peralta locked up, but don't know what's going to happen with Adrian Hauser. Don't know what's going to happen with Eric Lauer. There's going to be a, a transition to essentially a almost entirely new starting rotation. And Aaron Ashby is absolutely going to have to be, you know, towards the front of that. He's You're going to want him being now. The Brewers could go out, they could trade for a guy, they could sign a guy, they could be, you know, do whatever. But as it stands, if you're talking about the Brewers, the players that the Brewers currently have, he ends up sliding in as, you know, number two, number three, something like that. You know, one of your starters, he's got a ton of potential. The Brewers see it. That's why they signed him to an early extension, just like they did Peralta. He is going to be a big, big part of this future as a starting pitcher. And so it's, there is every reason to have him as high on that list as you have him. And I, I think that's perfect. And I think it's something that Brewers fans need to remember. Like this is part of your next wave of the future for sure. Especially considering how thin the pitching depth is in the Brewers organization right now. You only have three pitchers on uh, out of these 10 players. And that's a hundred percent, right? Like that's basically where they are. And one of them's Mizorowski, who's, a ways out from contributing at a major league level. So um, that I think to me is the the one that kind of strikes me the most. Absolutely. Aaron Ashby, you know, just kind of going through this list, he has to be, you know, one of these guys, because he, as I mentioned, I think a couple of times in, in his section, they signed him to an extension already. You know, they, they have signified their belief in him, their commitment to him. Uh, in order to, you know, to, to be a big part of this future. So they need him to pan out. And the shoulder injury this year is obviously not helping with that. But for for Ashby, they need him to pan out. They, they absolutely do. And so going back to your, your point about Mitchell and Freelich, um, put, putting Mitchell ahead of him, uh, ahead of Freelich, putting him in that two spot, I, I think the thing for me, you know, Partially what you said, you know, about what the Brewers have shown, you know, their, their belief in Mitchell, how they want him to be that guy and, and be that superstar. And they called him up first. They gave him the opportunity and he's really kind of done well with it. Also, as I was kind of writing that up, I was thinking about, you know, his injury this year and, and what's happened since. Mm-hmm. Brewers started off 13 and five with with Mitchell playing pretty much every single day in center field as, as a starting center fielder. And since he got hurt, the Brewers are seven and twelve. Mm-hmm. They have gone into a cold stretch without him. We saw last year when he got called up, the Brewers were in a dry spell for the entire month of August. I mean, it was it was bad. It was ugly following the Josh Hader trade. It was awful. Then they called up Mitchell, and they got a spark again. Mm-hmm. And he rallied them. Like Mitchell essentially rallied that team in order to get even close to the playoffs. I mean, they were. They were going on a 2014-level collapse, that team. Mitchell saved them from that, although they still missed missed the playoffs. But he made it close, at least. So Mitchell's the spark plug of this team. He he is heart and and soul. Like, like he has that superstar quality and spark ability on the bases, 
on the on defense, at the plate, everything. He's got the he's got the power hitting ability that Freelich doesn't really have, and he's got incredible hitting ability, despite what some people might say. So for me, that puts Mitchell up on top in that in that number two spot for me. So it's just from what I've seen from him, Freelich. You know, he's important. He absolutely is. I mean, he's he's in the top four, absolutely. But only one guy can play center field. And, I mean, Freelich and, and Mitchell, if they both hit, I mean, they'll find a way to get them into the lineup. I mean, you're, you're really in no struggle defensively with with either of them in the outfield. Same thing with, with Joey Weimer. You're, you're not struggling with him out there defensively. So you could have an excellent outfield defense, no matter which way you go, with, with these outfield prospects. But what Mitchell has shown already and what he's been able to do in the big leagues with the Brewers, I think, makes him that much more important to to the franchise going forward. So I put him at two. Um, and, yeah, without him, the Brewers aren't as good of a team. And that pretty much has been proven at this point. Yep, totally agree. For When you compare Mitchell to Freelich, only one of them at their highest, like absolute highest potential is a true five tool player. Mm-hmm. And that's Mitchell. Yes. Like free, like you said, Freelich doesn't quite have the power. He's a fantastic hit tool. He also has the speed and he plays very solid defense. I, I would, uh, I would definitely argue that Mitchell's is better. And Mitchell yeah. also has way more power when he's at his best. Than Freelich does, and a stronger so just, throwing arm, I believe too. Yeah, I I I, I believe so as well. They're yeah, both, but, but the hit tool is is definitely more solid with Freelich. Yes, absolutely. But we, I mean, Mitchell has hit well. He hit well. He hit over 300 last year, um, in his brief time up, and he was over 300 for a while till he was that like what bit. 260 when he got hurt. Yeah, which I mean, like hey, that, which is still better than most of the team right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there was one other point I was gonna bring up with him and now I forgot so oh no oh well <laughs> but right. yeah I mean that, that outfield group they really can't go wrong in, in any direction and they have more guys and they have spots you got Mitchell you got Freelick mm-hmm. Joey Weimer who's been playing every single day pretty much since since his ar- arrival and then you got Jackson Churio uh, coming up as well once Churio arrives after mm-hmm. Mitchell and Freelick and Weimer you got four starting quality outfielders for three spots. Someone's moving. Um, so, someone's not playing as much, or, or someone's moving to a different position, or someone's moving to, I don't know if you can move to DH. That's probably where Christian Yelch is going. But mm-hmm. you got to find some way to, to figure it out. And, you know, time will, time will tell, and they'll let these guys figure it out. Joey Weimer's getting his turn right now. In a few weeks, when Sal Freelich is healthy, He's probably going to come up and he'll get his shot to to prove he's deserving of a starting job. Uh, and then we'll see Jackson Churio at some point. And we'll see Garrett Mitchell come back healthy at, at some point, either late this year, most likely early next year. Mm-hmm. But you've got plenty of time to, to let these guys figure it out. And the best players will play. If Weimer ends up struggling too much to to hit big league pitching and he's not able to turn it around, I'm not saying that he will, but if he does, for example, then you can more easily just turn to Freelich and you can go Freelich Mitchell Churio long term and have Weimer be be your backup if you need to, or if or if Mitchell struggles once he returns, then you can just go Weimer Freelich Churio. You can you can do whatever you want, but it's it's all going to be determined by how these guys play and. All four of these guys are in the top six on this list. I mean, that, that just or top six or seven on this list. So that just goes to show how important all of these guys are, how high their ceilings are. And I mean, if one of them doesn't work out, the Brewers are still going to be fine. Yeah, they will. And I, I, I remember the one other point I was going to bring up about Mitchell, and, and it, I do think it's important, and it's kind of to your point earlier about there is something to be said about players who just bring that spark to the team. We've talked mm-hmm. about it 
over the years in the past about how we've seen things change with the Brewers roster as, you know, certain players who brought a lot of that infectious attitude into the dugout and the clubhouse, how things have changed a little bit when uh, the team has moved on. Mitchell's one of those guys when he is around, you saw it when, you know, he looked into the screen and said, I love this cheese head. Um, when someone came in and hit a home run, like you see the things he does in the field and on the base pass and stuff. And it all goes back to what we talked about at the beginning with Wade Miley saying they just need to relax and they'll start winning some games um, and start having more fun. They were having a lot of fun when Mitchell was not injured. They are not having a lot of fun since he's been injured. And I think that's partially just literally him and his, you know, you know, personality and spark or whatever being around that team. So I love cheese. I mean, yeah, that's what it does. It it doesn't get better. Yeah. Well, and and then the other one too, after he hit his walk off Homer and Sophia Minner asks him, you know, how much fun you guys having right now? And he just puts cheese head back on, just turns to the crowd and and puts up Mm -hmm. his arms. Like, you know, give to me like, he's got that star quality and, and just, just the ability to, to have that spark, not only with his teammates in, in the clubhouse on the dugout, but with the fans, too. He's got an incredible connection with them. Uh, so, to me, that that puts him up there in, in importance to the club. Yeah. Only to be topped by Jackson Churio. Because right, Jackson Churio is the number one prospect in all of baseball. He is your potential legitimate future superstar. Mm-hmm. Five-tool guy. Number one prospect. Ronald Acuna comparison type dude, you know, when, when you're being compared and you had, and you've only done things that Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto and Vladdy jr. And Fernando Tatis jr. And like those guys have done when you're in that group, you're a special player and you are incredibly important to the organization. This is the first time the Brewers have ever had the number one prospect in all of baseball in mm-hmm. baseball America's rankings ever, ever. Yeah. So they kind of need him to to pan out as expected. Mm-hmm. You know, their their last big time prospect, big, big time hitting prospect, Keston Hira, didn't really pan out uh, over over time, which, as we've kind of talked about, we're debating even bringing him back onto the roster. So Churio's number one. That that one was an easy decision. For yeah. Me. Yeah. I'd say I don't think you'd catch a lot of arguments for having no. Jackson Cheerio as your most important. Player. I would catch a lot more arguments if I put someone if I put like Mitchell at number one or, or yeah. Ashby or someone else. Yeah. I'd catch a lot of arguments for that. Agree. Agree. Easy agree. Yeah. So we don't need to talk about him. No. <laughs> but some of the, some of the other guys on the list, because I was trying to even be like, OK, so what because the top few guys were pretty easy to, to pick. Mm-hmm. When you get down to the final few spots, it's like, hmm, are they worthy of of inclusion here? And at number 10, I have Jacob Mizorowski, who is down in low A. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is the lowest ranking, I guess, player on this list because he's that far down in the organization. He has just a handful of innings under his belt in pro ball. But he's a top 10 most important player to the franchise and to the franchise's future. Why? Here's why the Brewers are short on high octane, high ceiling arms. They have a lot of really good arms in their minor league system. You've got guys like Robert Gasser, who's on this list. You got Carlos Rodriguez. Uh, You've got Abner Uribe, who's a reliever. You've got a couple of other guys who are kind of, relief type prospects or if they're starters they're like back-end starters at best at the Mm -hmm. big league level you don't really have anyone with ace type stuff in this system they haven't really drafted guys like that they they haven't gone uh that route in the draft really that that hasn't been who they've been targeting so when corbin burns and brandon woodruff eventually leave because they're not signing burns to an extension and we haven't seen any progress on a woodruff extension so until we see something on that, I'm going to believe that he's leaving in two years or in one or whatever it is. So you're going to have two big holes to fill at the top of the rotation. If if this rotation is going to continue to be a strength going into the future, 
which you want it to be because that's been the foundation of their success for the past five years, you need someone to be able to fill a role at the top of the rotation. And Jacob Mizorowski is the only guy in this organization who has that potential. Mm-hmm. Robert Gasser, I like him, but he's probably a middle rotation starter. Yeah, I'd agree. Mizorowski, if it all pans out, could be a true number one. Mm-hmm. So the development of him is crucial, I think, to, to the long-term plans for this rotation for them to stay dominant even after Burns and Woodruff leave. Yeah, and, and you throw it uh, out there at the end of the article about how, you know, there is risk that he can end up being a bullpen guy as opposed to a rotation guy, and that even if he ends up a bullpen guy, still very, very, very important to the Brewers' future. But you mentioned a lot of good pitchers, you know, pitchers with good potential in Rodriguez and, and Gasser and mm-hmm. Uribe before that. But Mizorowski right after he was drafted, you had all kinds of prospect guys talking about how the Brewers got a steal with him and mm-hmm. how this is a guy who could be a top 100 prospect very soon. That was before he had even thrown a game in the Brewers system, just coming off of the draft. I mean, people love his stuff, and you've already yeah. started to see it as he's started pitching an affiliated ball now. Like, this is the guy who... This is probably the pitcher with the highest potential in the entire minors right now. Like he's got yeah. it. I believe uh, so, Pipeline has him as the uh, Brewers. Yeah, Pipeline has him as their top-rated Brewers pitching prospect right now. He's at six. Robert Gasser's at nine. Yeah. Yeah, and like I get, I, I still get having Gasser and Ashby ahead of him as far as this list is concerned. Because like we said about Ashby earlier. Um, especially in the shortest term, Ashby is super, super important to the Brewers' future. Gasser kind of for a lot of the same reason. Like, he'll be up faster. He's already at AAA. He's already yeah. doing very, very well at AAA. He will make an impact on the Brewers sooner over later. But Mizorowski could easily be better than both of those two pitchers. Like, if, yeah. if the Brewers develop him well, and as we've seen, the Brewers develop pitchers like that very well. Um If you haven't seen the video yet of uh, Brewers PD, Brewers player development, put out the video, a compilation from his latest start where he went like three and two thirds and struck out like eight. Mm -hmm. uh, And just (laughs) the pitches that he threw. The first batter, he stole his soul. His soul went up to heaven. Like (laughs) he spun him around in the box and he fell flat on his ass. It was incredible. It's just, it's power stuff. And he's six foot seven. Mm -hmm. And he throws 100 miles an hour. Like, it's ridiculous. So if they can harness that, and so far, I mean, they've put him in the pitching lab. And they're they're rolling him out slowly. They're, They're building him up and ramping him up. But things are looking really, really good initially for him. So... Yeah, they, they're they're taking their time. They're making sure they do it right. They're doing it slowly, but that just gives me more optimism about him. Yeah, totally agree. Like I said, like the way as long as he stays healthy, as long as he stays on the right track, he you know listens to what the Brewers are telling him. He you know uh, kind of follows those directions and develops the right way. Like that's that's a dude. Like that is yeah. the guy for the Brewers to watch out for in the future when it comes to pitching. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited for him. I'm excited for all these guys uh, on this list. Again, you can check out the top 10 most important young players for the Brewers future on reviewing the brew.com. You can check out the whole right up there. Really, in my opinion, uh, a great read, uh, but I am slightly biased, uh, but definitely go, go check that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all right. Okay. I guess I'm biased too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, mix of mix of prospects, mix of current big league guys. So it's it's not just a prospects list. It's not just guys currently on the roster. It's, it's a whole mix there. So uh, really, really good stuff. I think uh, again, slightly biased, but that'll do it for us. Uh, we are out of time here, and we have you know kind of run over a little bit. Uh, but thank you for listening again. 
be sure to keep on watching the team and uh, listening to the podcast, of course, and checking out all of our latest at reviewingthebrew.com. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.